Hey everybody, welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast, uh, episode 23 I think we're at. So uh, oh, I'm man. one of your co-hosts, Frank, and I'm here with my buddy AJ. How you doing? Hey everybody, Frank, welcome back to the city that never sleeps, the greatest city <laughs> in the world, New York. We are so happy and excited for you and your new endeavors, uh, me and Shana, and I'm sure the listeners uh, are pumped and thrilled for you, and I, dude, it's so exciting. Uh, how was the move? Was the move okay? Yeah, the move was great. Um, so, yeah, a little background for everybody. Both my wife and I decided basically sometime in September, and then we initiated everything in, in October, that we're going to move to New York from D.C., and uh, we've, we've done some big moves from apartment to apartment in the D.C. area, and so we used to do that on our own and rent a moving van and everything. But this time we actually got movers, and it ended up being one guy named Boris, and Boris was awesome, <laughs> and he uh, completely packed up our apartment and put it in his truck, drove the truck up and came up a couple days later. And so we are currently at my, my parents' house. So I'm in my dad's office in the basement and, uh, we have a storage unit down the block with a bunch of our stuff in it and we've settled in. It's been about a week, I'd say. Uh, my wife started her new job, um, earlier this week and I start on Monday. So kind of in between everything right now. But that's why uh, we've had a little bit of uh, an extra break because a lot of things been happening on our side. And so I know we had talked about kicking things back off in the fall uh, after our, our long early break and at the end of the summer. But um, we're back now. We're going to talk some uh, Thor Ragnarok and a couple other things hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So it the move was great. Um, and I'm really excited to be back in New York. Um, and hopefully, like you said... Uh, means that we can see each other a little bit more and maybe do some uh <laughs> live podcasts and stuff like well, that i'm definitely some things like i've been definitely excited to do are first of all i'm definitely down to finally being able to go see and planning to see the movies first with you which is like such a huge difference because and, and i'm and I'm, and and I want to say a big shout out to people like Shalom Rosen and our good friend Danny Silverberg, Evan Morse, Mike Bassetti, my friends in New York who tolerate me geeking out over the films that we love, and then eventually coming back on the podcast and talking with you about it. Uh, but I'm excited now to include you and, and, well, not just to include you, but to have you here to be able to go to the films in person and record in person and do a hundred, you know, we would love to do maybe a live event someplace where we record a podcast, maybe like at a bar someplace. We want to do more stuff with you guys and kind of continue to build the Long Lost Heroes community. So, uh, Frank, I'm, I'm beside myself happy with how <laughs> glad. And I, can't, and I can't wait till we can start looking at 2018 Yankee season tickets. Oh, that, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a big thing. And, you know. <laughs> but before we even oh, get yeah. there, so before much. we even get there, I want to follow up on I think what are two big breaking news stories for this week that have come out. I know that there's been a lot of news in between these podcasts, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but we are picking it up kind of where we left off and where we left off is living in the world with you. And the first big story I really want to talk about was a clip that my friend Frank uh, sent me earlier in the week, uh, which is a clip from Justice League featuring uh, Commissioner Gordon, J.K. Simmons's Commissioner Gordon, and the team kind of gathering together, discussing the plot of the movie. Now, I got to admit, I didn't listen, and I don't want you guys to listen to what they're saying. <laughs> but I do want you to go back and turn your TV or turn your speakers all the way up 
and listen to about the first 15 to 20 seconds of this clip in your in your person and try not to get chills goosebumps whatever you call them it, it was crazy oh man it was crazy because they've brought back and i don't know if they brought it back or i don't know if we called this but i'm i know we discussed it that danny elfman who was doing the music for justice league brought back the original 1989 theme score for batman so when you see batman ben affleck's batman wherever he is in his little stance you hear the music swell and you know the cue and the hair stands up on the back of your neck frank tell me you you're the musical guy what do you think about this Th this is incredible this adds such an, a, a deep layer to this this film and this franchise moving forward that i don't think we were expecting um you know we joke about how much we are always excited about the the Marvel movies and the other Disney properties like Star Wars, and we we end up treating DC like the redheaded stepchild, and it, it's unfortunate because some of these movies are the ones that we we grew up on, you know, the the Tim Burton Batman's and even the Dark Knight trilogy, like those are really important movies to us, and it's a shame that they've been kind of uh, the the DC properties is not as exciting as it maybe used to be, but you know this is a really good sign, um, you know when I saw that clip, it was just the headline that grabbed me. Cause I was like, yeah, I, I don't really want to watch clips from the movie that I haven't seen yet. And I know everyone else kind of feels the same way, but yeah, to, to, to hear that theme involved is just great. And it's like, okay, well, if they're going to bring Superman back, are they going to maybe throw in a little of the John Williams? Like, I don't know if they actually have the ability uh -huh. to do that, but that'd be no, so awesome. Th they're going to do that. They're going to do that. And here's, here's why. Um, and this is my hot take on this, and I've been thinking about this since you sent me the clip. Uh, okay, so DC has maybe figured out something that Marvel will figure out later on, but DC has unlocked the member berries, you know, feature, <laughs> and they're like, you know what? We got the, we paid for this fucking music. We have the fucking composer. The people are going to freak out when they hear this. And you know what? They were absolutely right. Because when you and I hear this, this is exactly the kind of triggering that, you know, sends some people down to the mental institution. But for <laughs> us, it brings us back to when we were little kids, when you see Batman first appear on the screen and he pulls that guy in close right before you think he's going to throw him off the side of the building. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, oh, I'm Batman. That whole moment is brought back in and all that other stuff is really great. And I know and I believe in my heart that if they did the 1989 Batman and the, the 1989 Batman theme in the Justice League film, that I, I, I'm calling it, the, the John Williams Superman theme will be heard because they know that by taking Superman away from that music, you you're making this your own Superman and they're right to do that. And Hans did a beautiful job, mm -hmm. but as we both know, Hans hates doing these superhero movies. Yeah. He is done with them. He's never going to do them again. So after kind of going through the motions and, and doing the incredible work that he did, which, you know, at, go see Blade Runner 2049. His soundtrack for that is something I'm listening to. And it's a lot of just noises and beeps, but <laughs> he's, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, I, I think that they know that the musical cues are big that the musical yeah. cues are are where you get the member berries in and that and that Marvel does not have that they do not and we've talked about this like time and time again now after all these podcasts that we've done and all the the Marvel movies that come out like they they just don't have the the music isn't up to snuff now 
save the the soundtracks for for things like Guardian the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy, both volumes, like those are great soundtracks, but it's not like an iconic theme song that you really no. recognize. And Guardians is starting to do that, which is great. But um, you know, even even Marvel has uh, the old Spider Man movies, and there there's a great theme to those that they could bring back and oh my god the danny elfman music for spider-man is so iconic and yeah. it's and it's very very good and i w- something i wanted to do yesterday yesterday while i was very very sick and i apologize to everybody for my nasaliness but uh <laughs> yesterday i went back and i re-watched spider-man homecoming and i was gonna watch guardians of the galaxy volume two but didn't end up getting around to it but when I was listen- was watching Spider-Man Homecoming and I was listening to uh, Michael Giacano, who, who we love. We think he's an amazing composer. Uh, he did the Up soundtrack. He did the Rogue One soundtrack. He's a big Disney composer guy. Yeah, he's, he, he works with J.J. a lot, and uh, um, I think he did a lot of TV work, too. And he, he did... So he did a, a new Spider-Man theme, which, to me, sounds very reminiscent of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of bleeds into this temp music Marvel Cinematic Universe problem that by not giving their characters significant musical cues, we don't know how to cheer for them on screen. So I think that like going into Infinity War, that could kind of be an issue. And I think that this is something that we just saw with Justice League that I think has the potential to really kind of blow us all away. And, and I'm not saying that music is going to blow me out of the park on Justice League. I'm going to be a little bit more reserved in my opinions this time, I promise. And I'm sorry for eating up so much airtime, Frank. It's okay. But ultimately, I think that uh, the musical cues that you, you would get in a big battle, uh, see uh, Wonder Woman in Batman vs. Superman, the moment when she comes out, is a huge kick-ass awesome moment. And you hear that great guitar riff. When she shows up, I'm excited for that moment when we hear all the different riffs, and I'm really, really excited for when the John Williams theme song comes back for Superman. Yeah. And, and I think people will stand up and cheer. Oh, <laughs> like, absolutely. Be nuts. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that we have to remember is that they're introducing new characters here. And, like, Danny Elfman sure. has the opportunity here to create some really cool themes for The Flash and Aquaman and Cyborg. Like, these are, you know, characters that we haven't really associated with DC on the big screen before and to have a new iconic theme that, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to be like, man, that theme that they introduced in Justice League is just so great and iconic. Like he has that that opportunity here and, you know, to tie it into something that he did like back in the 80s is amazing. And I was I got chills. I, I, you know, I'm sure we will when we're in the theater as well. Um, But yeah, it would be really cool if they they did the Superman theme, too. I think the only thing about that, though, is that it's so bright and poppy and um there's just you know it doesn't necessarily mesh with the uh henry cavill version of superman that we know sure and you know c- compared to the christopher version and i mean it works for batman like seeing it on in that clip really worked i'm just nervous that it may not mesh um well i've seen there's this really great guy i'll send you he, he plays i know i always say this but there's this guy on youtube who plays he plays the Hans Zimmer Man of Steel theme on an electric guitar mm-hmm. and he opens it by interpolating the John Williams theme and I would be totally cool if it was just a teeny weeny interpolation of just going one five 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 back to the one like I'm fine with that I'm okay yeah you know like that'd be great, <laughs> that, that, that'd be great. Um, okay so speaking of 
superheroes and the studios that make them. Uh, Justice League, me and Frank will be attending. I don't know if we can do this, but we'll, I'll do this here and we'll see if anybody says hi. Me and Frank are going to be attending the 1 o'clock showing of the Lincoln Square AMC IMAX Justice League movie. So if you are in that theater and you see and recognize me or Frank, please come stop by and say hey. We'll give you high fives and we'll talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about. I'm sure it's going to be about Justice League. Yep. <laughs> um, and moving from there on to other breaking huge news in the, in the movie world. Uh, Disney in talks to buy 21st Century Fox. Uh. Uh, 20th Century Fox? 20, I don't know. What it's it 20, so the company is now 21st Century ah, right, Fox. Right, right. So this, you know, it, it came out in the news and it's like, okay, is this real? Is this something that's actually happening or is it just rumors? But it, it I think it was, uh, oh, what was it? L.A.? I don't remember. But uh, it, it seems pretty legit. And, you know, whether or not they actually move forward and anything ever happens. But, you know, how many years have we been speculating now about, well, uh, will Fox ever give the rights to Fantastic Four and X-Men back to to Marvel Disney? And, you know, what would happen if all that happened? But this is a little bit bigger than that. This is Fox pretty much closing down a lot of their film studios and, you know, handing it over to Disney, as well as some of the the iconic franchises like the the ones I just mentioned, as well as things like uh, Avatar and perhaps even like Alien and uh, what are some of the other ones that you were thinking about? Planet of the Apes. You got uh, over over at Fox um, uh, all the X Men, Deadpool films, the, and and plus all of the old classical you know twentieth century uh, Fox movies that would be there. Lawrence of Arabia. These other big huge pictures. Um, and I think that in, in my understanding of the articles I had read, uh, it, when Disney acquired 21st Century Fox, they, or, or let's just say Fox now going forward, um, when they were to acquire Fox, uh, Fox wouldn't, it wouldn't be kind of like a, like a, you know, a takeover. It would be more of a purchase and just a, you know, a quiet rebrand. I, I think that yeah. the X-Men characters would fall back into Marvel. Um, but Fox would be allowed to continue with their movies. There was even some speculation that the 20th Century Fox fanfare would come back to the beginning of Star Wars. That would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is crazy that we all love an ad. (laughs) But uh, the truth of the matter is um, what what we've seen in the past few days is that they had talks and it doesn't seem like it's going to go anywhere. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't go through. I don't think that there's been a price that's been discussed anywhere. Um, but, you know, before I throw it over to Frank, I'm going to give you my hot take. I don't know if I like this, even though I love the idea of having the X-Men and Deadpool appear in, in Infinity War Part 4, even though I would love to see, you know, uh, Wolverine team up with Cap and Iron Man uh, I don't know if I want Disney buying another major studio and owning it and taking away more opportunity for new and interesting content mm-hmm. uh, than we would have gotten. And I think that there's kind of a point where they're going to they're gonna get too big. And I know that they're big, very, right, very big right now, but I don't know if the properties that 20th Century Fox kind of flirts with on a general basis really fit with Disney. And I don't know how they would have been able to reconcile 
kind of the Robert Murdoch, uh, Rupert Murdoch, excuse me, branding that he would be associated with, yeah. the kind of empire that he's run, um, and kind of the rebrand on that, I think would be a big mountain to climb. Frank, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm really torn about it. Uh, like you said, it would be really cool to see, uh, you know, something really great done with the Fantastic Four because they are so central to Marvel uh, comics. And to see them, you know, take the stage after Infinity War, you know, they keep talking about how everything's going to look different after Infinity War and w- with all of our characters that we know and love. Um, and, you know, to have them involved. Like, I, I've always been more interested to see what they could do with those characters because it's failed so many times. Because, let's, I mean, X-Men, Fox has done a pretty decent job. Like, there, there have been some really big flops and some problems and huge continuity issues, but... Like they're they're good movies. Like they there's something there, and like they're still building things. You know, we've got New Mutants coming out. We've got the next Deadpool coming out. Like th- that franchise isn't over. And like if they were to purchase that, it would be messy. And I don't think that they would integrate those universes unless it was some sort of huge, you know, parallel universe timeline reboot kind of thing. Um, so from that perspective, I'm kind of interested in what they could do um and the only other thing that i would be interested to see is um with avatar which you know one of those movies that i barely even remember at this point but they are building or i guess it's is it open now avatar land in uh animal kingdom so like there's Uh, some synergy there spoiler alert i've been there you have well i have let's take a moment (laughs) how is it (laughs) <laughs> I didn't go on any other rides because me and Shayna got some kind of crazy deal through a trade show I was at, but we got to walk around Pandora a little bit, and I will say it's the first piece of Disney uh, theme park content that uh, exceeds and surpasses Harry Potter World. Wow. It's unbelievable. You know, that's the, saying something. The, the level of detail and the way that they integrated the look of this part of the theme park is really special. And I think that, you know, it gives me a lot of hope for how Star Wars is going to look, that they are going to nail it down to the centimeter, that it's really that well-themed and planned out and explored and, and uh, thought through. And, um, and it, it was, it's, very, it's very exciting. Yeah. Does it feel um, Disney-fied? in any way no or just no it really does no it really doesn't it's actually interesting because uh shout outs to the mad chatters podcast um these guys they are big disney podcasts and they really don't like the way that the franchises are taking over certain parts of the theme parks where you have guardians of the galaxy is going to be now in universe of energy going to be coming into epcot avatar is taking over animal kingdom you're going to have star wars land at mgm uh, to be honest, I think it's very natural. Um, I don't know if, unless we start building uh, parts, you know, parks from whole cloth, uh, the only way to continue to kind of uh, keep up, keep uh, stay current with the times is to integrate these new big franchises yeah. into the parks. They have to do it. They have and, to. And it's not that they can go out and build, you know, a whole Star Wars theme park, which I don't think could could really work, honestly. I think that you needed it to be kind of broken up into different places. So you'll have Disneyland and you'll also have, you know, whatever we get down in Florida. Uh, yeah. But I think that really it's going to be exciting because the 
way that they're putting the attention to detail is on a whole level higher than the 90s kind of revamp that we're used to of Disney World. Yeah. So I'm very excited for 10, not really 10, maybe 15 to 20 years out when we get to go back with kids who are somewhat squishy and walking around uh, <laughs> that can appreciate this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's interesting because, like, like you said, the kids now are experiencing these movies and, you know, they're not so much seeing, I mean, I don't really know. I, I imagine there's not as much, you know, with the Mickey Mouse and Donald Ducks of, of the yesteryear. So, you know, they kind of do have to keep up with the times. And it's interesting that, uh, they have, um, Avatar, even though they don't actually, you know, own the movie rights to it. Um, so it, it could be a sign of what's ahead, but you know, uh, getting back to the you know the 20th century Fox purchase thing, um, I agree I with you. I think that could help them in the parks too. It, it could, and it would give them you know more characters and franchises to to spread around and more things that people would be interested in, and uh, it wouldn't maybe feel so much like it's Disneyland or World, but it, more of a celebration of movies and films and um, characters and uh, pop culture in a way. Um, but yeah, I, I do think uh, for the from a movie perspective, I think it would be a little bit too much leaning on the side of monopoly, and that they would have to control over so much. And you know, and then you basically have what Sony and uh, uh, Universal and uh, <laughs> what are the other big ones? Sony, I mean, Universal. You've got uh, Warner Brothers. You got you know. Paramount, which is still sort of a thing, I yeah, believe. Yeah, but you know, and, so and many it's, of them have integrated already that you know it's just right. it's it seems like a bad bad move. But yeah, uh, all right. So I don't think the you know, the X Men are coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but why waste time speculating about that if it's not going to happen when we just got the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? This is the sixteenth film, Frank? Uh, that sounds about right. I think it's 16. It's up there. It's okay. So we're gonna say 16. Uh, <laughs> it is Thor Ragnarok. Just dropped this past weekend. It totally crushed the box office at like 120 million, I think. Yeah. Uh, and did surpassingly well. Has Marvel is really, uh, you know, highlighting the fact that it's one of the best reviewed Marvel films. Uh, and we kind of want to break into it on all different levels. So I saw it last Thursday. Frank, when did you see it? I saw it on Friday. I okay. saw it Friday how afternoon. How was the hometown theater at Deer Park? How was it? it you know, it, it was in the middle of the day, so um, it was a little bit light, but, you know, it was a Friday afternoon. Kids are still in school, um, so but it was still Ooh. early before um, it really had gotten out there. Like, you know, some of the reviews were out, but I don't think necessarily the buzz was – um, as big, I'm sure like the seven o'clock showings were, were sold out, but it was really, it was cool to be back at that theater. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it did seem to be generally well received. Um, it was, people were laughing and, uh, it you know, one of those movies that I think again, surprises us with how much humor that they can integrate. And, uh, yeah, it, it was a good time. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we got to see it on the early side and, you know, we've been trying to keep up with the movies as they come out and I've missed some yeah. probably in the fall, but this one was important to me. And, uh, especially, yeah, like you said, the, the box office numbers, this is the best sold Thor movie hands down. Oh um, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the, the best hits of the year. I mean, I think it even, did it surpass Spider-Man? It might've, um, 
it may it may have uh i you know i don't, i should have had that figure up i didn't do that but the okay so here's what i want to talk about with thor um and spoilers again spoilers forever spoilers now to the end of time spoilers infinity there's going to be spoilers <laughs> all right okay so um, one thing I was really hoping out of this movie that we didn't get that they just kind of brush stroked over was how the big green guy in a Quinjet made it to Sakaar. Now, did they have to tell us? No. Did they, should they have told us? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and, and everything, everything else I loved about this movie. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought that ultimately, uh, the humor of Thor is significantly more ripe at this time to make this movie mm-hmm. than it was for Guardians 2, looking back. And I think that the jokes were used more precisely and surgically. Yeah. And it, that really goes out to... I, a lot of people are giving it to Taika Waititi, and I think that a lot of respect has to be given to him, but the cast here... Oh. This is what Marvel can do. This is what DC is going to have to catch up for later in life, that they can afford to have the most A-list cast. Kate Blanchett, Jeff Goldblum, Carl Urban, uh, Tessa Thompson. You got... Anthony Chris Hopkins. Helmsworth, Anthony Hopkins. Like, this kind of A-list talent, like, in this movie, classes up the joint a thousand percent. Yeah. Um... Okay, so the beginning of this movie I thought was excellent. The cold open. Oh, so good. Um, uh, it's, it was yeah. It was great. <laughs> they uh, they really nailed um, something similar to what they did with Spider Man, in that like you have him kind of. It sounds like he's narrating a little bit about what's going on, but then you kind of find out that. No, he's not. You know, talking to his iPhone. He's actually talking to Surtur, and and you get this this character that is so over the top, but like he fits in this universe, this Thor universe. And you have Thor, who up until this point has been almost too much of a serious character. He's had some funny moments, but like they really leaned into Hemsworth's ability to and his comedic timing, um, because they they've realized that Thor is a little bit ridiculous, and Thor is very Thor is a very silly character. Yeah. And I think that that's you know I've been I was trying to think about why Thor the Dark World is such a bad movie. And I was and I was like, was it Alan Taylor? Is it Alan Taylor's fault? Is it Game of Thrones' fault? Like whose fault is this? Somebody is to blame. Somebody did this. Yeah. Um and you know what? I just think that maybe it was Marvel's and like maybe it was a big misstep on their part to just be building Infinity Stone fodder. Yeah. And that this latest entry has almost no Infinity Stones, but it really kind of... So this movie, they just built... They were trying to do much too, too much world building, but in this movie, they built a world and then put the characters in it, and they focused on building the world... And I think that's a big difference. Yeah. And, and they, they filled in a lot of gaps, um, uh, things that have been uh, stretched through the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe since day one. And uh, they were able to clean up some of the, the mess of, of continuity and other question marks that have been going on. And 
Um, and they, yeah, they fix Thor as a character. And like, it, it's a shame that, you know, this is his, what, fifth movie because of the Avengers films. And like, sure. And we, we were only really starting to feel like he's going to be fully formed at this point. And like, he was pretty central to the plot of the, the first Avengers movie. And, you know, it, it's a shame that it's taken this long. And I, honestly, I, I bet that uh, one of the problems with Dark World is that it was probably rushed. You know, they, mm-hmm. I think it was the second movie after Avengers. You know, we had Iron Man 3. And it's like, really, Thor, it's not, he's not the one that, that came out of that film. That, you know, you, they made that film because everyone loved Loki. And that was probably the problem. You know, you, you have a character like Loki that shines in that franchise, but unless you're serving your your hero there's always going to be a problem with with the tone um but they kind of flipped the script here and and loki was still great and he was still a great supporting character but he was not by any means uh on the same level as thor in this movie oh totally and you you nailed that dude uh you nailed that because loki is such a central part of the plot of thor 2 and he's so not in this one he it, he's so he's so subservient to uh, Thor's story arc, that it's it, you're right. It's it's a movie for Thor. Yeah. So I know it's a movie for Thor, but we also had a fuck ton of Hulk. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I I loved it. Oh my god. I loved it. I I can't tell you how hard I was laughing when <laughs> they had like the buddy roommate <laughs> like minute when he was in the hot tub. Oh my god! I was screaming. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's in my brain now. I can't get that. Out. <laughs> like, so so good, and you know, I was a little bit nervous going in um, with some of the trailers and some of the things I had seen. Like, it was really exciting to see Hulk and to hear him speak. Um, but some of the some of the lines in the trailer and some of the um, even the banner stuff in the trailers, I was a little bit nervous that it was going to feel a little bit off tonally but they nailed it and you know having having some jokes that uh thor had with hulk and then later on they kind of flipped the script and you know thor's having a joke like oh no uh, banner you're my favorite hulk i hate that guy like and it so (laughs) works because it's like they're two separate characters and, and like that's not something that i think with the hulk as a character we've really experienced you know he's his original movie is so different at this point from everything else that's been in the MCU that's hard to even reference. So we've really only had him in the Avengers films. And I think Ultron, and so I have the benefit of watching Age of Ultron the night before uh, Ragnarok came out because we were like, you know, that's kind of a good tie-in because there's a lot, you know, leading into this film directly. And um, Hulk still felt a lot like it was, he wasn't so much of his own fully formed character, but here, you know, he's, been what two years like that's a long time and like he really developed and you can tell that he's like kind of like a toddler you know he's got that baby talk (laughs) it's just and they nailed it um Uh, i yeah okay um all right so i thought it was really fun to have both of them together i think this puts a nail in the coffin of anybody who ever wants to see a thor a hulk solo movie yeah please shut up go away it's not going to work. It does. It can't work. You need to have somebody else for Hulk to play off of. Yeah. Um, and I, let's keep going before I have a, a theory about Hulk. I want to talk, but we'll talk about that at the end. Um, okay. So I thought the main battle between Hulk and Thor 
right smack in the middle of the movie. I think it lasted for about a good 10, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. Was perfectly placed. Holy shit. How? Okay. I don't understand <laughs> how anybody could have, like, th- so you have uh, Civil War, you have Cap, and everybody, you know, and Cap and Iron Man, everybody else is fighting. You have Batman versus Superman. I was not, I didn't give a shit. This was the fight I wanted to see. Yeah. I want to see Hulk and Thor throw down. I want to see what it looks like. I want the armor. I want everything. And this fight did not, it it delivered because it, it kept you guessing and it kept you kind of looking for the answer. It's like, oh shit, Thor is really fucking strong. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, it's just Mjolnir that makes him makes him stronger. It's you also have, uh, you know, Hulk here. So that scene I, I thought was just pure magic, joy, happiness. I don't know how much green screen was integrated into that. But listen, they did a beautiful job. And I think that it's one of the more astounding battle scenes we've seen in the MCU period. Yeah. Like the, the way that they integrate... Hemsworth into these scenes with uh, with Hulk and the motion capture and the way that the effects looked like this was just Attack of the Clones ending ending scene times a thousand. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and point. really like they really took it up a notch with the effects and I loved everybody in the crowd with the green smoke and the paper mache Hulk. Things. Yeah, I loved seeing Loki in the in the 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 box where he freaks out <laughs> like. It was it was awesome. Um, There's a lot of a lot of fan servicey moments there, like a lot of callbacks, you know, because like in in the first Avengers movie, you have um, Thor and Hulk actually do fight on the the uh, the helicarrier at one point, and so there's this isn't the first time they fought before, but this is like culmination of all the, these years. The stakes and, are so and, high. And, uh, even in Ultron, you had Hulk go against Hulkbuster, so it's it's not that we haven't seen him go toe to toe with someone before. It's that this is. This is something that, you know, when the, they first had that first trailer, it's like, oh, man, I can't wait for that moment. And we, you know, you wait through half the movie and you finally get there. And like, but you don't know who's going to win. Like, really, like you kind of assume, oh, right. yeah, you know, Thor must win because it's his movie. And like, but nope, he gets his ass kicked. And but no, it, it's it, but it's enough to um, to pique uh, the Grandmaster's interest and to to have, uh, you know, take take him in, into his kind of own wing and um, roomy with uh, the Hulk. But, uh, and then you, like you said before with Loki, you have that callback to the Avengers movie too, where it's, you know, he's like, now you know how it feels like to get tossed around like he did. And like that was one of the oh, best totally. mo- moments of the, the original Avengers movie. So to have us think about that and, you know, you know what, five years later, that nostalgia there already is, is really key. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was really well done. I, you know, I, it reminded me almost a little bit of, um, not really spoilers here, but the flash on TV, I think last year they had, uh, gorilla grod and, Ooh. um, Saul, wow, what the hell is his name? Not Savitar, but the, the other gorilla, the white gorilla. Anyway, I know who you're, I know who you're talking about the, the, the people are going to scream at me, but, um, th- it's similar scenario where it's the flash going up against a giant beast and, but you know, obviously, it's a TV budget, and so this just—you you can't even tell. Like, it, it looks like they're in the same room, and the Hulk—you know—the Hulk is CGI, but it's like it's so believable at this point. The, the technology is just so good. Let me ask it's, you: Did you see this in 3D, IMAX, anything like that? 
I saw it in RPX, so the Regal, the Regal bigger version of the theater, but I didn't do the 3D. Okay. Yeah, I just saw it regular, and it looked fantastic. And, you know, it, it was one I thought about because, you know, it's right. so colorful and so bright. Um, but, yeah, it, it looks great regardless. Um, okay. Uh, so I, I, I like the – not necessarily Easter eggs in this movie, but we have um, uh, Hella – going through yeah. uh, Odin's vault and, and talking about some of the items in there and just straight up knocking over the in Infinity Gauntlet and saying, well, that's fake. And so it's like, like I mentioned before, like closing off some plot holes. It's like people have been wondering for years why there were two gauntlets. Yep. Um, you see uh, the, uh, the, the cube, whatever they call that one. The, the, tesseract, the tesseract, the cosmic cube, the space stone. And... I mean, we are. We must assume at this point that Loki has it. Of course, he stole it, right? Of course, and, and, he stole and it. And Asgard's destroyed, so they must have it. Um, and then uh, the other blue cube that they showed—that was that the thing that they used to warp in. Uh, wasn't there another blue cube or something in, in there? I mean, it was very quick. Yeah. Um, There's um yes the uh, the. The Jotunheim, the ice giant's yeah, weapon. That, yeah, the 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 cold stone. Yeah, exactly. So it is interesting to have all those things. Um, you know, uh, just so many cameos. Like you even have Doctor Strange in this movie. I forgot about that. Like it's just the Doctor Strange cameo was perfect. Yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Like he's in the exact. He's in perfect comic correct attire yeah like the outfit is exactly perfect from the comics he has now totally assumed his doctor strangeiness and integrated into this movie so tastefully so beautifully and you gotta hand it to them for having the forethought to include him in this movie yeah even though it's uh, in in the first act it really does lend a lot to the world that we're in fleshes it out this is the new guy in new york are we dealing with tony in new york anymore no he's left he sold avengers tower and spider-man yep. now dr strange he is the the guardian of the realm the guardian of of the whole earth yeah and the way that he kind of handles it i've been falling for a half an hour hilarious great <laughs> idea um it, it, my only complaint is that they they did the um the the post-credits stinger um at the, I guess it was at the end of Doctor Strange because like then we knew it was coming. Um, so like some of the, the that scene was the same, but if they didn't do that, then it would have maybe landed a little bit better for me. But it was still really satisfying to see, um, you know, the two of them interact and have Loki there and just like like you said, he's the gatekeeper, and you know, of course he would stop them because he has the power to do that. <laughs> um, I think that listen. We're gonna. I want to talk about the post credit scenes at the end because we, Houston, we have a problem. Mm. Um, but uh, getting back to the kind of where that it brings us, where Doctor Strange brings us, he brings us to the end of Odin. Yeah. Which I thought was uh, kind of beautiful and and kind of uh, um, bitter and bittersweet, yeah. but not for the fact that we're losing Anthony Hopkins as Odin, but for the fact that we could have, you know, maybe you give Odin a little bit more life force in that scene and you kill him in the middle of Act 2. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, I, I was really sad that, you know, we're going to kill off Odin here, and it's really, it really is Ragnarok. It really is the destruction of all of Thor's world. Yeah. In, in that he lose, he's losing his father, he, you know, spoiler alert, we already told you, you fuckers, they destroy Asgard at the end of this film. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, so, and we learn that Asgard is not necessarily a place, but it is a people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that means that Thor draws his power from those people, because it would seem to me that if Thanos can kill the Asgardians, then Thanos can kill Thor. But, uh, and that's just straight up Infinity War, uh, you know, fantasy sport football playing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the my issue with, like you mentioned, with Odin going out so quickly, it's like because at the end of Dark World, you know that he's, you know, taken uh, that Loki's taken over and that they've gotten Odin out of the picture, um, and it's just sort of like okay, now he's getting written out almost. It, it felt that way a little bit to me, and um, right. similarly the, with, with what happened to the Warriors Three, I was really disappointed with that. That was just like again glorified cameos like we get it that Hela's super strong and that she would be able to kill them all but like give them a little bit more to do i felt so bad for zachary levi like just showing up and getting stabbed in the heart and it's like oh literally a day of work like and and then they don't say anything about lady sif like she's not around because she's filming a tv show (laughs) like like is that really what we're supposed to assume like like where is she and they don't and you know they have an offhand comment about Jane Foster but they don't say anything about Sif and like this is like if they're going to show the warriors 3 and especially after they integrated lady sif into a few agents of shield episodes yeah yeah exactly so and it's, that's kind of weird and it's not like like spoilers she's not on that show regularly anymore like it's not like she's become on like no, she's she doesn't she doesn't regular. live on earth right now so so that's a question yeah. mark. Um, so a couple of down you know moments what? there, but like, yeah, it just showed how powerful Hela was. And again, I, you know, this isn't something I realize. Is this something in the comics? I'm not sure, but that Hela was his sister. Is that something that's true? I, that that tracks. Yeah, I don't mm. know. No, it doesn't track that he's his his sister. I think that there's actually a bro- another brother that's mentioned in the comics. Okay, but just real quick, just to, while we finish up on Odin. It's amazing how good of an actor Anthony Hopkins is in that when you're watching the scene of him on Asgard watching the play that Loki has created <laughs> in his own in his own self-image uh, that you don't see Anthony Hopkins laughing eating grapes you see Tom Hiddleston's Loki yeah. eating the grapes through Anthony Hopkins That is and yeah. And that is really tremendous talent. That really and, is. <laughs> and, like, it, it, re- it really w- it w- it was awesome. And, you know, you had uh, Sam Neill in that little play, oh the other God. Hubsworth brother. Like, the cameos in that Matt were Damon. pretty... Matt Damon. Pretty <laughs> fucking hilarious. Uh, dude, that was just per- perfect, beautiful, excellent. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that. But moving into Hela, who is now... All right, so we're going to... I don't want to talk about Hela like we're talking about her just in the first act. We're going to talk about Hela completely way through right now. Here we go. Sure. All right, Kate Blanchett, amazing choice, amazing, amazing actress. She really knocked it the fuck out of the park here. She's chewing the scenery. She's 
so delightfully evil. She's really scary. The makeup and the costumes are really excellent. Just you, beautiful. You feel for her uh, and you understand her, her plan and her motivations and it's not just evil for being evil. Like this, she has a real reason to do what she's doing. Like she was the firstborn of Odin and they, you know, destroy, like they took over the nine realms and they had this plan that they were going to do. And she got tossed to the side and like, you really understand why she wants to, to take back over. And like, I, this is, you know, this is a great year for Marvel villains. If you're thinking about it, you know, we've got Spider-Man yeah. with the vulture, like, um, and, and ego to, to an extent, like this is kind of, this is good news because we, this has been a complaint of ours for a while that, you know, the Marvel villains well, haven't been up to snuff and Cape Blanchett. Man, wow. <sighs> Okay, so let's talk about some shit, Frank. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, so in all of the marketing and a lot of this movie, she doesn't say she says that she is the goddess of death. Now, when we watch her at the end of the movie, it looks as if Surtur destroys her. Now, do I believe she's gone? No. Do I believe that they gave us a misdirect? Yes. Yeah. Why? Because I think that they knew it would be too obvious to to watch us see her escape at the end of the movie. And they knew and also I think that they took a different road in that they didn't show us the flashback of her and Odin in a in a more traditional flashback sense rather than the mural of how they were working together and took over the nine realms and all that kind of stuff. Um which I think the movie could have benefited from in my opinion, but Either way, uh, I think Kate Blanchett is coming back. I do not think that she is gone at all. Mm -hmm. I think that, to quote something from one of our other favorite franchises, what is dead may never die. <laughs> if you're death, you can't die. I don't know if, how that works. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting because, like, the, the one thing that could bring an end to Asgard, Surtur, and brought Ragnarok, but, you know, who, who better to be a, uh, an ally to Thanos than the goddess of death. I mean, the, in the comics, doesn't he actually fall in love with death? And I mean, I think so this he is a little bit... he's pursuing death. He gets the infinity gauntlet in pursuit of death yeah. to woo death. So I think we're going to see Cape Blanchett for a little while longer. I don't know if the extent of her contract, uh, has been revealed through the press. I don't think it has, mm -hmm. but, um, I, I'm pretty sure she's coming back. And I'm excited to see her come back because that will be proof that Marvel understands its villains. Yeah. Because they really gave us the highest stakes ever that we are going to destroy a realm. Not only are we going to see a big blue beam in the sky, not only are we going to dance through nine realms to get there, we are actually going to destroy a place. They all they all derand it. They really did. They, they really... They all derand it. And... When they all ran it, there's no fucks given. It is full on the Surtur 70s Thor arc of this big crazy fire demon showing up and destroying the fuck out of Asgard. And it's it's kind of it's bittersweet, it I think. And I think that it it's also a little bit you know I don't mean to sound like I'm shitting on this movie because I really did like it. I I, I think that they could have spent maybe another 10 minutes more on that. And maybe mm -hmm. give us more information for the non-comic reading fan of, like, who Surtur is. Yeah, the ex expositional dialogue at the beginning of the movie 
it get it, it'll get you there. But if if we had kind of seen a little bit more about Surtur and the demons and like this kind of stuff, I think it would have helped everybody. Yeah, and I think what ends up happening here is this movie is called Thor Ragnarok, but it's really not. You know, it's it's really Thor uh, versus Hela, and uses Ragnarok to defeat her. Right. You know, like it, it's, it's interesting the way that they get there because it, yeah, in the comics it's a, it's a bit different and it's something that he's actually fighting against. And, you know, for most of the movie, he realizes he's, he's trying to prevent it, but like that. Yeah. It, and it was an interesting twist. It was a good way to, to use it and that he can use it against her. Uh, but... It was, it was, it was brilliantly used. I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that the, the way that they used it was wrong. I'm saying maybe they needed, five ten minutes just show us more like asgard had a big story arc in this movie Mm -hmm. and if they had kind of played into that more maybe it would have kind of helped you know helped in certain ways but i don't want to get bogged down on that because there's a lot of other movie to discuss Mm -hmm. here um okay so before we get to the end of the movie i just want let's wrap up on a few other things uh jeff goldblum amazing great awesome amazing great um I really loved Korg. I think that was yep. voiced by Taika Waititi. And oh my god, he was so, so fucking funny. So funny. Um, I, I read something that he modeled uh, the character off of uh, Samoan bouncers. So like a, a big guy <laughs> with a small voice. Like it just, ugh, it's so good. Um, That's awesome. And then uh, Carl Urban's Scourge had an interesting arc in this movie. Um, yeah. A, a little mini thing. I, you know, it, it's cool. I'm glad that they brought him in. I'm glad that they had the opportunity to bring in a, another character and expand the universe a little bit. But like I mentioned before, like you know, they could have done that with a character that existed in the universe already, like one of the Warriors Three, or you know, given something more for Heimdall to do. Because I mean, he had a, ro- a good role, but again, he was kind of just like running around on on Asgard, saving the people, and just. I don't know. Like, I I wanted more no. from him too. You're right. Um, I I really dug um, the Valkyrie character. Oh yes. I thought Tessa Thompson, like this character, was just really excellent and uh, fully developed in a way that like Lady Siv, like as much as we like her, yeah. just wasn't. Yeah, she like she had a swagger to her. Like she really. Yeah was formed like from the get-go right and she had a a a personality and uh a point of view and i just really grabbed onto her and she seemed like an equal to thor yeah she seemed like someone on thor's level whereas like lady sif she's strong and she's a warrior she fights with thor but she's more of like a co-worker or a colleague, yeah. in my opinion, than she was a real significant love interest at any point. Right. And yeah, and that's even more so than Jane Foster, too, right? Like, they, they wrote Jane out of the movie, and or a couple, even a couple of movies ago at this point. Like, and she was, you know, having Valkyrie as the, the love interest like, made more sense than Jane ever did. And, like, you know, to have them on the same level. And, like, she had a real reason to... Uh, to care about this conflict, even even though Thor had to really convince her, um, because you know she was a Valkyrie that, you know, her people died with 
uh, against Hela, you know? So there's a, a, mm-hmm. a, a true interest for her to to defeat her, um, but obviously it took a lot for him to convince her to do it. Um, yeah, great role. Another, you know, another really strong female character that hopefully we'll see more of. Um, uh, I really liked the imagery, the flashback they showed of the Valkyrie flying in to de- defeat Hela. Like that whole montage was really beautifully done and artistic and, and kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my only thought, of- I, was, I came out of the movie and I was like, wait, what was her name again? And I was like... She was a Valkyrie, you know, one of the Valkyries. No, she's the Valkyrie. Yeah, but, like, shouldn't she have a, a name? Like, they weren't all just Valkyries. They, like, they, they had names, right? I don't know. But she's the last one. So so she just got rid of her name? She's. I don't know if she ever <laughs> even had a name. I think she's just the Valkyrie. That's cool. And they kept saying the Valkyrie, yeah. which was interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. Um, um, okay. I... I want to touch upon uh, a few other minor points here. I thought there were going to be a few more planets. I thought we were going to be hopping around space a little bit more than we were. Yeah. Uh, I think that they kind of limited themselves um, just to Sakaar Earth for a hot minute, but Sakaar and Asgard. I would have liked to seen a scene on Xandar or yeah. something else or some other place I was kind of hoping that was going to come true. They referenced Xandar, which I guess should be enough. Um, yeah. I I really, in, and, and I liked the look of Sakaar. I thought that, like, the way that that planet felt, it felt very real. Uh, I liked Jeff Goldblum's, you know, ruling of that planet nation. I thought he was a very just, and I would like to live on his uh, planet. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's else? interesting, even, you know, the, the way... Uh things end there it's like you still get the feeling that he's still in control like regardless he's like, oh you know, oh for sure he's, he's uh one of the he's a um celestial a celestial so you know he's i think on the same level as the collector maybe um, we got to get a scene with the collector and the grandmaster oh, we, we have in, to in, in, <laughs> ha- have to we have to so I'm I'm hoping that comes up soon. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think when they they reference Xandar, I was like, oh my god, they're going to Xandar. That'd be so cool. Like, because again, how easy would it be to have like, you know, maybe not like I don't know, maybe you have uh, Roman Day or whatever his name is, uh, John C. Riley pop up. Like that would be so cool. Right. Just connecting the universes a little bit more. Yeah. But, um. So okay, so I want to get into some other kind of beefs I have with this movie that I think are that make it great but that are also interesting um i really like the way that they end this movie in that you have thor sitting on the throne in the ship i thought that was really significant from the way that they started the thor franchise because if you remember all the way back to the very like the first scene not the cold open the first scene in the thor movie is thor being coronated to sit on the throne in asgard and he gets denied yeah. And then it took him this entire length of uh, movies and experiences to finally get to earn sitting on the throne of Asgard. And I thought that was really significant and, and kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, and it's really cool because uh, they parallel him to Odin, you know, in a, in a way by, you know, losing his eye and everything. Yeah. Like that, that was – I'm something really glad that they did not give that away in the, in the trailers because you have, sh- like, scenes from late in the movie in the trailer, but they yeah. obviously didn't – put the cgi over it so you know that was a great surprise 
it was it was cool and listen like i like that thor has kind of like some skin in the game you know he's he's really lost something now and i know that he's also lost mjolnir cap has lost his shield uh tony gave up having suits but he is right back at it but um i think it's interesting that they're taking away the main uh you know uh weapon of all their big characters i think that that's very interesting um i am curious to see what they give thor in infinity war but before we get there let's just wrap up the final uh bits here um when they're okay so this ending like the ending battle scene all right bruce banner hulk has told everybody hey um, you know, when I go back, if I turn back into the Hulk, Banner may not come around again. Oh. He may be dead. And then when you see uh, Bruce Banner jump off the plane and he's like, I'm going to show you who I really am and land uh, on uh, the, uh, the Rainbow <laughs> Bridge over there, the Bifrost, he lands smack down hard as Bruce Banner, not Hulk. And uh, let me ask you, is that the death of Bruce Banner? Well, you know, it, it could be seen that way. And, you know, in, in one sense, it, it is a poetic ending to see him just dive off in, in a heroic sense. Um, you know, obviously, like, it, it didn't kill the body of him because he became the Hulk shortly after. Um, sure. But, but, yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, I think we may not see uh, Bruce Banner for a while. Like, they, they mentioned uh, before this movie came out that... Uh, Ragnarok starts like a three movie arc for for Hulk, for Hulk as a character. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I think it's totally possible that um, Hulk really became a fully formed character in this movie. We see him even more so in the, in the next Infinity War and then the, the, the untitled one. Um, so maybe by the end of it, maybe we get Banner back. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't have um, Banner for a while. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that you can necessarily kill him completely but uh, yeah i think having hulk take over for an even longer period of time is certainly a possibility i I really think that may be the end of him uh i'm curious to see how they play that one out yeah (laughs) i I think it's hard because you know you've got ruffalo and he's going to continue to do the performance capture stuff for him but yeah we may not see his face so I and I, I just I love Mark Ruffalo. I, I love him. Yeah. I love him so much. I think he just he nails it. He nails it so perfectly of how to play Bruce Banner that and uh, I just want to see more of him sometimes. But okay. Um all right. I I, I thought the ending of this movie was interesting, but I, I didn't walk out of it feeling um relieved or like a sense of uh completion. Okay. I'm just I'm just ready for Infinity War. This seems to me to be a big tee off for Infinity War. Yeah. Especially the post credit scenes which we are gonna talk about now. Yeah. If you saw the movie and you had to run out because your nephew was born, I'm really sorry for you. <laughs> but here are the post credit scenes. Seems very specific that this happened to yeah. somebody you know. <laughs> uh, no. Uh the f- first post credit scene is uh them on the ship. They're flying around, and then all of a sudden there's a new big ship. This has been revealed from God himself, Kevin Feige, that this is Sanctuary 2, Thanos' ship. Of course it is. I mean... Of course it is. Who else would it be? Like, it has to be Thanos at this point. And especially because, like I mentioned earlier, 
-hmm. We are to assume that Loki has the space stone. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, target numero uno for Thanos, and it's kind of easy pickings, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. to to get that first stone. And, um, you know, I wouldn't even, I would, we may not even see what happens. We may pick up right after the fact and say, okay, Thanos has the stone. What happened to Thor and everybody on the ship? Um, because, mm. because, because like that's where they left it. And like, I was kind of hoping that the second stinger was going to be a little bit more of what happened. Um, but obviously that wasn't the case. Like, it would be great for like a one shot. It would be great for, I, I, that's why I think I said this back in, uh, when we were talking guardians, like there, there's so much left that they need to do to get us to where, where infinity war is like, it's this movie's going to be so long. Like, I, I just can't imagine like, I, you know, he's going to get all the stones in that movie and there's still so much to happen. It's, it feels like sometimes that Marvel runs in place that like the story gets so big that they can't have all the characters moving forward in the same way. And like, and it feels like this was Thor and Hulk catching up to the continuity that we are all at, like the fans, the Marvel characters, everybody. Mm-hmm. We are collectively Thor in the ship looking at Thanos' ship approaching. We don't know what's in it. We don't know how he got there. We don't know anything. And I think that it's that Marvel is playing with fire here because they're creating a formula. And the formula is that the first post credit scene, the mid credit scene, if you will, is going to be a plot advancer, and the, the last end credit stinger is going to be a joke. Yeah. And I think if they do that for Black Panther, they have a real problem mm-hmm. because they will have cemented that their last huge end piece is, you know, they're. I, I almost feel like they're not hyping this movie enough. I yeah. know that it's going to be the biggest movie ever, but like, and, and the same thing could be kind of said about Last Jedi in a way that I just feel like they're holding back. I feel like they're withholding information from us. Yeah, and I don't understand why. They don't, they... And they, right. And I also don't think that there's going to be an Infinity Stone in Black Panther. I don't think so. Like, they're, they, they, why? They don't need they it. They don't need like, it. They've already, They've introduced the character, now they have to develop the character. So really the kind of the benefit for doing the intro first is you have a whole movie of character development, which is traditionally reserved for a sequel. But now they can just kind of run the gamut on Black Panther, which looks absolutely incredible. It does. And and, uh, the visuals out of this movie keep continuing to blow my mind. Uh, But... I got to say, and I, and I think that Marvel, if you're listening out there, God, Kevin Feige, uh, change up the formula. Um, give us a good old phase one style post-credit scene. Let us see something that sends us out on such a high note that you can't even stand it. Yeah. Because to be honest, this was, were kind of downers for me. And I think that like the... Like the last scene with Jeff Goldblum, it's like, well, they're gonna kill him off before we even get to see him with the Grandmaster. Like, come on, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, they, um, exactly. And like, I, I think the the worry is like, the more that they do that, the more likely that people are just gonna walk out. They're like, okay, you know what? The last one's always a joke. I don't really care. Like, like they established this this formula that 
you know, oh, make sure you stay after for, you know, the after the credits for Marvel movies because there's always something else. And, like, they're kind of wasting them at this point. Like, they, they can do so much more. Um, I, uh, I, I agree. I think that there's still a lot of heavy lifting that they need to do. I fully expected a new stone to pop up in this movie. I thought we were going to get the orange one. And um, yep. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't. Uh, you know, it's good that they, they had the space stone in it. I think that was important. Um, but, yeah, like, is it is the... Is the first hour of Infinity War going to be Thanos on the hunt? Like, that's not really what I want to see. I, w- I want to see, like, Thanos in full power going against, you know, the Avengers. No, I think, I think you're more right. I think it's going to be... I think the first hour of Infinity War is going to be very similar to, like, the first five minutes of Fellowship of the Ring, Ugh. where they're going to give you some heavy, heavy, heavy backstory. Mm-hmm. That we're all gonna need. Well, maybe there'll be a cold open, but then there's gonna be a. Uh, they got a lot of. They have heavy lifting to do, and I think we're both in the same boat here. Where I don't know if I was expecting Thanos to show up, but I was expecting the plot of the Infinity War to be moved here. Yeah. And I think that all it did was they picked up their uh, race car piece, they turned it around in all different directions. They shined it up, they <laughs> spit on it, and they put it back on the board. And they, now, they rev the wheels. If anything, yeah. they rev the wheels and they're holding in place for as soon as May, whatever, 4th, and then they're going to let go and it's going to go crazy. It just seems to me that it's a missed opportunity again. You know, like they, mm-hmm. they, they could have done more. They could have, and you know, it's hard because we've complained about these movies involving the infinity stones too much, but it's a delicate balance. Like as we're getting closer and closer, like, you know, Ultron introduced one and then, uh, Dr. Strange kind of unexpectedly introduced one. And, and that's great. And like, that's the way we want it to be. We want, we want these things to pop up naturally and we want it to feel like, Oh, of course they're here. But like, that's what I expected from this movie. I was like, you know, I've heard the rumors like, Oh, Heimdall's eyes are orange. That must mean he has an affinity stone. Like, Right, but you know right, they never right, they didn't right. deliver on that, and so now I'm... In, inside of Mjolnir, there, yeah, like the, the, there was a lot of speculation of where the Soul Stone was going to pop up here, and you know, I'm not saying that like we're spoiled for it, but you know, I really wish that, and I hope that in maybe Phase Five of Marvel when we get there, or Phase Four, or whatever's coming after Infinity War, um, that they. Uh, they kind of return to the classic style of post-credit scenes. I don't know if they will. I think maybe I'm, maybe I'm yearning for a time that is gone when you're living in phase one and it was just everything is connected and beautifully sewn together and just a tight little perfectly knit sweater. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think we can still get more. I think we can still do more interesting things with post-credit scenes. I think that they proved in Guardians of the Galaxy that you don't have to do that. The comedic <laughs> bits don't have to be, you know, uh, you know, just comedic bits. You can have a music video. You can have more <laughs> yeah, character development. Yeah, because like even the the comedic ones of Guardians, like yeah, there were five, but you time progressed. You saw things happening. Yeah, you saw you saw stuff happening, and in a, similarly to how Spider Man. Homecoming, where you have Scorpion and then a funny bit at the end, and then you have this one where it's, you know, 
the ship, and then uh, Grandmaster. Um, I don't know. I think we can do better. I think maybe uh, this is a point where maybe for Black Panther, I'll watch the mid credit scene, but maybe I'll walk out after because I don't know. Like, are, are we going to know? Like, do we have to, like... Do we have to waste all this time? Right. Like, and, and there's like, so the many fucking designers. Moment. That's the last moment before Infinity War, right? Like, that's that's it. That's, that's it. it. I mean, besides the TV shows, but like, we don't think those are going to connect still. So yeah. Um, okay, so in terms of Infinity Stones, I kind of went back and watched a little bit of where they all are, just so we give it back to the listeners of. Case they're curious. Um, so the Tesseract, we're 100% positive on both of our ends. Loki has it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. Totally. The Power Stone, uh, the Purple Stone from Guardians of the Galaxy, is on Xandar. Yep. The Ether, uh, the red we're one. gonna assume the red one. We're gonna assume is still with the Collector. Yeah. Uh, unless otherwise notified, you know that's where it yeah, is. Yeah, it's kind of fuzzy because his kind of his operation exploded. But, you know, I think it's still probably safe there. Um. Then you've got the uh, Time Gem, which is in the Eye of Agamotto. With Doctor Strange. Uh, which is with Doctor Strange. Um, and then, uh, am I missing any other the, ones the, here? The Mind Stone is with uh, the Vision. The Mind Stone is with Vision. So really, we're just waiting on one more, the Soul Stone. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at some speculation that we may not even get the Soul, the soul Stone in Infinity War Part 1. It may, we may be waiting to Infinity War Part 2 to actually see the full powers of the Infinity Gauntlet, which I think is okay. And yeah. um, um, listen, we're all, we're peaked. Like, we're ready. We're excited. And I think that what everyone's hoping from here is that the ritual completes itself naturally and feels good and right and complete. And we got to, I think, you know, truthfully, we got to kind of go back and believe in Kevin Feige, that he's got this, that he's done so far with this already. Yeah. And, you know, it just got to, we got to trust him. We just got to trust him. And I think it's, it's good to know that they still haven't titled the last Avengers movie or the Mm -hmm. whatever they want to call it. Um, It's probably not the last Avengers movie ever, but Mm-hmm. because they don't want to reveal their hand you know it's always really exciting when they announce like the full slate of movies and the fact is we still have a lot of movies coming out and um you know once infinity war happens we may have a better sense of what's next um and it's gonna it's gonna feel like a, a season season finale or a series finale maybe even like we a lot of these characters we may be saying goodbye to and like it, it's hard to feel so excited uh, but also not want to say goodbye to some of them because, you know, it, it's going to be pretty much 10 years to the day when we were introduced to Tony Stark. So, like, yeah, yep. and he he's so crucial to this franchise and, um, you know, him and some of these others, like even Thor, you know, we may be saying goodbye to these people. So, yeah. And you know what? At this point, after all these movies, they've built it to the point where I'm OK with that. Yeah. They've and- all earned their their due they've all had beautiful arcs like i'm really happy for thor this was a great success like yeah he, it was he was the one that had a weak link and didn't have his movie to really shine and like this this proved that it can be done 
and that and that he's a bankable character yeah. that he can carry a movie and um I'm happy that first of all Taika Waititi like this guy like he's going to be handed the keys to a lot of stuff. I also think it's a lot it's very good that he had so much control over this film. There a lot of people have been you know a lot of people a lot uh some of the thick pieces I've read have discussed how Taika really fought for the look and feel of this movie. Um, and it, I dug it. I dug it too. Great, great soundtrack. Uh, they they use some some good songs in there too. Oh my and god, immig- oh, the Led Zeppelin. Oh, that, that's a- this movie looked like heavy metal, like live action. Yeah, it really did. And I, they could have had some more metal stuff in there. They could have had, you know, more guitars, more of a heavier soundtrack. Like everything about this just kind of screamed '80s metal to me. Yeah, and I I I really dug that. I think Kevin Smith said it was like looking at old album covers, you know, like Meatloaf yeah. or <laughs> Boston, like these kind of like really out there gothic, crazy, uh, you know, visual aesthetic kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so we really dug this movie. Um, I'm definitely sh- you know sure I will see it again. Uh, but real briefly, real quickly. Uh, just before we uh, sign off over here, uh, Frank, uh, how's your Netflix account doing? <laughs> well, I I have one. Um, oh yeah, I, <laughs> I watched uh, the first. Did you watch some things? I, wa- I watched the first episode of Stranger Things, and um, that is going to be my focus over the next couple of days. I in all the moving and and all the the craziness of applying for jobs and stuff like that. I'm like, I got a little behind on my other shows and I've been trying to catch up and being off this week has been really helpful for that. But, uh, I'm, I want to get to stranger things. It's a, it's a very, very exciting show. Um, a lot of people are talking about it. I'm trying to not get spoiled on it, but I would love to cover it with you. So, Oh, well, Things are going to get stranger uh-huh. when the long lost heroes cover stranger things season two coming next week. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been an absolute blast to talk and hang out with you again. We missed you. We love you. Please subscribe to the podcast. Remember, you can always find us at LLH Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us on our website at www.longlostheroes.net. And you can send us an email if you have anything that you'd like to talk to us about. Info at longlostheroes.net. Uh, as always, I'm AJ. Frank, anything you got to add? No, I'm really excited to be back. I'm excited to be back in New York. We're going to see Justice League together, and we'll cover it together. And then we get to see oh Star God. Wars The Last Jedi together. Oh, my God. And it's going to be amazing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm gr- it's great. You know, 2017, great year for movies and other pop culture stuff. And I'm looking forward to 2018. Gr- great, year, great year for us. Yeah, man. Great year for us. Great year like, for us. Like, uh... <sighs> You know, it's been really a pleasure to do this podcast with you. Yeah. I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to do this with me. And it's been such a f- fucking blast and a fulfilling experience. And I'm really glad that uh, everything is kind of wrapped up with the move and that you're here. We can continue these talks again on a regular basis. This was cathartic for me. Yeah. I really appreciated it. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, take care. And easy going, everybody. And until next time, stay classy, everybody. Bye.